eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Obviously, the Sunday side session got off track as it is now Monday. However, rather than miss the week entirely, I wanted to at least provide a quick Sunday side session with my own thoughts on a variety of things from Saturday's game. So let's just tackle these all one by one and just kind of hit a few things here and have a short conversation and move forward into another year in which Nebraska-Iowa is going to determine how you feel about Nebraska's offseason. So I know everyone's very fired up about that. But let's dive into a few things here and move forward. All right, Chubba Purdy. Look, it's no secret that I've been as skeptical as anyone on what Chubba could do. I hadn't liked what I heard from behind the scenes about things last year when he was starting. And then there is the actual performance, which was reflected with what you know, was being said, and especially going back and sort of looking at things. Obviously, Chubba struggled moving the ball. Nebraska's offense struggled moving the ball. You know, it wasn't entirely just him, but it it was a real concern. I I didn't like any of what I saw, and certainly, um, you know, it it felt like at times in 2023, he'd come in and uh, the Colorado play, and you zoom in on his face, and he just looked shaky. Like, I, I had no confidence. It was the complete and utter lack of confidence. Plus, you know, it seemed if he had an actual groin injury, it would limit his overall effectiveness. And I just kind of felt like the drive against Maryland was a fluke. I didn't I didn't really believe in him or really, to be honest, Nebraska's ability to get him ready when he hadn't taken that many reps in practice uh, for a while. So, you know, as these things often happen when I have a very strong opinion on a topic. It just completely blows up in my face early and right away. You know, like predicting that there'd be no touchdowns in a game in which there is what, uh, five? So there's that. Obviously, you know, I'm the tout that you want when you're making your gambling decisions. So keep that in mind 
moving forward. But Nebraska came out like gangbusters on Saturday. Super fast start. And what do you know, a guy with a groin injury who is probably going to have surgery in a relatively short period of time just completely shreds Wisconsin's defense for that long touchdown run. I think it was 55 yards. And honestly, I mean, they looked like they were running in molasses. Like, he looked absolutely faster than anything Wisconsin had going on in their back end. And so I was thinking at that point, like, okay, you know, if Nebraska can just get some of these guys loose, they're just going to be able to run right by him. Like, Wisconsin did not look athletic. Um, you know, as the rest of the game played out, obviously still some issues with Purdy, uh, but he looked so much more comfortable than he did really at any point in 2022. And I think that's kind of the critical thing here, right? Like he looked better um, than he did at, at really any point. And I think that's a big credit, you know, to, to Marcus Satterfield. I, and Satterfield had to have gotten him ready in a short amount of time. They found some plays he was comfortable with. Um, I've said this to a number of people. I feel like Purdy is a little bit of a playground player. Like he's, he's probably better when it's off schedule than when you're asking him to be on a straight drop back and to throw something that's hard to call plays for. That's hard to prepare for, uh, you know, both offensively and defensively because of his ability to create something out of nothing. But I do give a lot of credit to Marcus Satterfield for having him ready. I give it, you know, obviously the lion's share go to Chuba for, for showing up and, you know, getting these things going. And this version of Chuba at least made Nebraska a live dog on Saturday. I mean, they obviously they had a 14 point lead. Uh, you know, you're up, you you feel good about your defense against a team that hadn't put up that amount of points in some time. Um, and it just obviously didn't work out. And we'll get into the reasons why here in a little bit. It played out a lot like another Chuba Purdy start in 2022, where the first couple drives, Nebraska jumps up 10 nothing, and then from there, nothing. Long stretches of not being able to move the ball. That game ultimately ended with Logan Smothers coming in, Minnesota retaking the lead, Smothers trying to drive the field, give Nebraska a chance at the end, uh, unable to do it. And so, you know, that wasn't that that wasn't exactly what happened, but it there is some some similarity there. Because once the game sort of moved off the early portion, um, teams adjusted to Chuba. Nebraska's offense couldn't adjust to those teams and their defenses. And that's a little bit of a, a disappointing thing. And it's not necessarily, you know, Purdy's fault. The Huskers failed on a fourth and short in the second quarter. Uh, would have been able to sustain that drive. You possibly are talking about an easier field goal or more points. Um, you know, they missed the field goal right before half. That was a good drive. He had a couple of nice throws. It, it felt like he was able to use the middle of the field. Uh, I, I thought that was going to be more there in the second half. But they just lack flow. They lack rhythm. It was not uh, It was not a good half, obviously, from a production standpoint. The only time they really threatened to put points on the board was late. Um, but the important thing here, I was wrong. I don't know if, if I, I need to say it a, another time, but I can. I was wrong. I was wrong on Chubby. Uh, Chubby. I called him Chubby, I guess. I was wrong on Chubba. Uh, but it was a nice surprise. It was a... One of those things genuinely did not see that performance in him. And so the fact that he was able to do it makes it really interesting. The fact it alone couldn't help the Huskers overcome themselves isn't really a surprise. It's almost an expected thing at this point. Give a ton of credit to Chubba. Let's see how he can finish out 2023. Okay, clock management. I mean, this is a big part of, of Saturday. Obviously, before, you know, even at halftime, there was a couple things 
uh, happening there at the last drive in the second half, setting up the field goal they didn't hit, where you're like, all right, that was kind of weird. We've seen it earlier this year. Felt like Nebraska struggled to manage the clock uh, to get to halftime at times. It gave up points when they didn't need to give up points, or they gave away points when they didn't need to give away points, those kinds of things. So that's a real concern. Matt Rule's a longtime coach. We shouldn't be having clock management concerns, and yet here we are. And, you know, this is where I was on Saturday night. I was kind of all over uh, Sioux Falls, finished up work, doing uh, the covering of the, the basketball team, met up with some people to watch the game at one bar, and then uh, wanted to get back to the hotel so I would be in position to be able to work afterwards. And so I left early in the, you know, midway through the fourth quarter, got back to the hotel bar, and I'm watching there, and there's a Nebraska fan and his wife, and we're inside the final minutes, and, I, you know, I I was uh, I wasn't sure of of this said individual. I mean, the man was absolutely convinced Nebraska was going to run out of time, and the Huskers were already at the Wisconsin twenty six. I thought it was drunken hysterics in some ways, and yet, um, you know, they only needed twenty six yards to get to a touchdown. Obviously, you're in a safe field goal range, or you feel relatively safe despite the miss earlier. You got a minute thirty five. Nebraska managed to run a minute off the clock and not even get a first down. That's with all three timeouts remaining. Matt Rule explained what Matt Rule explained, whatever. Um, you know, I think it's very obvious the Maryland game and how that played out forced overcorrection on his part. He was not aggressive at all. Nebraska wasn't aggressive. They played for overtime, which, you know, sometimes some teams, it makes sense to do that. Uh, it might seem fine, um, except the second half, you know, had featured no points. So you have an offense that's just spinning its wheels. And your defense seemed utterly gassed. I mean, they gave you opportunity after opportunity to get back into this game and to, to go give yourself a chance to win, to go out there and finish the game in regulation. And Nebraska played for overtime. There, you know, it just, it, it's just one of those things that is around here. We know it. You know, we did a whole podcast on the stats of, of what happened in, in the overtime games. And you don't have to assume that what happened previous is what's going to happen again. But around here, it's fairly easy to assume that a team that struggles on offense and a team that tends to shoot itself in the foot is going to struggle in a do or die situation. And guess what? They struggled in a do or die situation. There's opportunities to get off the field in overtime. Defense couldn't make the plays. Nebraska gets his chance to answer, but you just, you didn't feel good about it. And then the offensive play calling wasn't particularly good. Uh, you you didn't, you know, the, it, the early down plays didn't feel like they gave them a chance to move the ball forward. It felt like Wisconsin could just sit on top of you. And then, you know, you needed someone to, to step up and make a play and you're just not able to do it. But the game was really lost when you have three timeouts and you go eight yards while losing more than a minute off the clock. I, I will not understand that. I will not accept the explanations of it. I don't think others should. Um, you know, and it's it's an actual concern moving forward. You know, this is something Matt Rule is going to have to prove to the Nebraska fan base that he has learned from these mistakes the next time the opportunity arises. Because right now it just feels like the hole got bigger from a week ago. Nebraska lacks playmakers. I mean, that's a real problem. It's hard to coach and navigate around it. Uh, but when you have an opportunity and your quarterback's able to move the ball with his legs and you've got kind of an interesting offense, you have to at least try to give yourself a chance there a minute 35 and 26 yards away. Uh, ultimately, it just feels like Rule lacks a great feel for what this team is in the moment. 
And that truly surprised me last week against Maryland and again against Wisconsin. And so maybe in future seasons, he'll have more confidence in that thing. Uh, but it, it really kind of felt like Nebraska turtle and it didn't need to, uh, but it did. And that's, that's gotta be beyond frustrating for, for them, uh, for the fans, for anyone who's followed this team for any amount of time, but it shouldn't be surprising. Like this is just sort of what a lot of people have come to expect. And until Nebraska actually gets out of that cycle, it's going to be what people expect moving forward too. All right, let's, uh, let's speed this up. A few quick thoughts on some things here that stood out to me. I continue to be excited about the path forward for a number of these freshmen. There's a lot of growing and learning happening between all the shooting themselves in the foot, uh, especially for these young guys. And they're getting opportunities to play. And there's nothing quite like the reps. You know, the progress is there, even if you feel the same about Nebraska football. And that's fine. I'm not asking for you to, to, to you know, stand on the table and, and you know, demand everyone accept that this team is better than they were a year ago. I think that's obvious in some cases, but you don't have to feel like this is a great thing right now. You can feel angry. I encourage you to feel angry about it. Like Nebraska needs to get over the hump. It needs to do something. And if you are like me and you do look for the silver linings every now and then, one of those things, you know, they've got freshmen that are producing. They have their high-end freshmen uh, that are producing. They have guys that I honestly didn't believe in that are producing. And, and one of those people, you know, I, I was excited about Jalen Lloyd as a gadget play guy. I think that he can move beyond that now just by what we've seen. Jalen Lloyd, he's proven to be someone worthy of excitement moving forward. Uh, you know, it's a guy that the Huskers have to find some other ways to get him the ball. You know, he's he made two big catches. Obviously, one was on the the option pass where he was wide open. This one on Saturday, he made a great catch, and then he weaved through traffic. I mean, I want to see Jalen Lloyd running the ball. Uh, I want to see Jalen Lloyd with space in front of him. You know, I'd be – it's one of those things where Nebraska just can't seem to hit these drag routes or these other easy throws that just open things up and let their guys run. You know, I was, I was mentioning before the Wisconsin game, I wanted to see some yak. Jalen Lloyd brought the yak. That touchdown was great. Unfortunately, the reverse was not, uh, you know, it'd be great if we could see him on jet sweeps or bubble screen stuff. We've seen Nebraska run, but like, let's do it. Let's, let's see them do it with, with Jalen Lloyd, you know, like let's, let's see if that's a real possibility. Um, rather than maybe the the sort of trick play reverse there that you got to give credit to Wisconsin. That player stayed home. He made the play. All right, Malachi Coleman, he also is continuing to grow. The upside is obviously enormous. And in the future, that's a guy late in the game you want to get the ball to. You want to give him a chance to go win you a football game. I don't know. They, they tried against Maryland, I guess, uh, but it wasn't sort of in a way that made sense. I would have liked to have seen if there was an opportunity for him to try to go up and get the ball in the end zone. Obviously, Nebraska lost this game in 2016, too. But one of the things that they did do is allow Stanley Morgan to try to go make a play. Uh, I would have liked to have seen Malachi Coleman have that opportunity late as well. One last freshman here, or actually a couple more freshmen. Sorry, can't even read my own notes. Riley Van Poppel, fourth down magic man, apparently. Something about his presence just wrecks offensive lines and strategies. Did it again in Madison. Very excited about him. Very excited about the future of the defensive line. There's a lot of guys that I like. Uh, I don't know what it's going to look like yet for next year. You know, we saw again Ty Robinson and some of the non-freshmen step up big on the defensive line. Feels like they're going to earn opportunities in the NFL. But if a few of those guys come back and guys like Riley Van Poppel continue moving forward, 
you're going to feel good about that defensive line, I think, again in the future. I have been high on Riley Van Poppel since his commitment. Remain high on him now deep into the month of November. Also, last thing here with the freshman, I'm not worried about Tristan Alvano long-term. He did his job in the fourth. He got the field goal. He'll avoid the misses like he had Saturday, you know, before half. Like, that that happened. It's unfortunate it happened. Probably a little bit of a different game if it doesn't happen. Uh, but it did. And, you know, you have to move forward. And he did. He made the next kick. That's what you wanted to see. The thing I kind of wonder right now, and maybe it's because of that miss. Maybe he just hasn't been as good in practice. But we saw this guy nail a field goal. You know, earlier in the year, he's, he's proven he can kick from deep. And yet it seems in the last two weeks when given opportunities, rules have been a little skittish on it. And I understand you want to keep your offense on the field, maybe get a little closer for you know better field goal opportunity, or you want, obviously, in all situations, a touchdown. But it felt like a bit of a missed opportunity in the moment. This isn't hindsight. I can I can find the uh, the people I was talking to at the Husker Bar in Sioux Falls about this, but you know, I was advocating kicking the field goal there. You get a chance to go up three scores. Uh, and I, you know, I don't love the play calls. Just to run straight into the line of scrimmage obviously didn't work. We saw last week with Jeff Sims on the fourth down, it didn't work. You know, and I understand he missed the, the, the first opportunity that he had uh, that would eventually come after that fourth down play. But I still like the idea of letting Tristan Alvano kick in some of these situations, like try to get points on the board. It just feels like that game is different if he gets that and he converts that opportunity early. Nebraska's up 17-0. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Scrambling quarterbacks have been few and far between for Nebraska's defense this year, but it was pretty evident. You know, you go all the way back to that Minnesota game. Ethan Calcamanis hurt Nebraska on some third downs, just getting out. You know, he wasn't a great runner, but he could pick up what was in front of him. I wondered if there was going to be other teams that could do that. You know, I wondered if the Illinois quarterback had that ability. And then when it was Brandon or Brandon Sullivan, I wondered Northwestern would lean on it. But no one's really hurt Nebraska on it. Uh, Talia Tungavailoa did it for the Maryland game. And he had a couple really big ones. And they came at some unfortunate times. And it happened again on Saturday. One of the things that seems to be happening, Nebraska's leaving a lot of space for quarterbacks to operate, clearly. And they're banking on their ability to, to, to pressure, to force quick throws. And it's been a good strategy most of the time. But when it has not worked, it has largely been because they have been unable to bring down the quarterback. You know, when Tommy Hill came on that blitz and he was flying completely out of control, Tonga Vailoa stepped up and ran, and it was a huge moment in the game. Tanner Mordecai, multiple times on Saturday, escaped pressure, escaped what should have been sacks. They didn't force throws. He kept running. You know, I, it was, I don't know what his exact stats were, but he had over 50 yards and it felt like 500 yards in terms of value. It is one of those things that I think Nebraska is going to have to address in future seasons with Tony White uh, or, you know, whoever at, at, at uh, defensive coordinator. I think it's going to be Tony White. Not entirely sure he's leaving after one year, uh, but it's got to be addressed moving forward. It's been It's been there for teams all year. They just haven't played teams that have been able to hurt him on it. They will in the future, and it's something that they're going to need to address. 
Last thing here, you know, I mentioned this a little bit earlier. I, I don't want to, to sit here and tell you that you shouldn't feel anger, you know, about these last few weeks. Uh, Nebraska, regardless of coach, regardless of players, continues to make it more difficult on itself than it needs to. The special teams have been straight bad now, just straight bad. I mean, earlier in the year, the idea was it'd be complimentary football. And at times it looked like it could be. But these last few weeks, the special teams have absolutely hurt Nebraska. The Huskers continue to lose the third phase in the conference. And, in, you know, in conference competition, this is a conference that treasures it. Like, they love punting. Nobody loves punting more than Iowa. And no one punts it better than Iowa. They clearly maximize that aspect. It is baked into the fabric of their being. Nebraska has talked about it the last few years, two different coaching staffs but it has failed in almost every respect. And Brian Buscini, you know, I put the numbers on the board. You can check those out. He just hasn't been as good this year. And Nebraska's not getting long enough kicks. I mean, he does not have enough kicks over 50 yards. He is not pinning teams. He is not flipping the field. When he is getting punts inside the 20, they are landing or being fair caught at the 17 or 18, which is nice. It qualifies as a statistic. It feels massively different than when Nebraska has to start every other drive from the four-yard line because they can't flip the field. This has killed the team in November. Look, this is something that you can absolutely fix, and it has to be fixed. This cannot happen again in 2024. Obviously, Brian Buscini will be moving on. But I do wonder if Ed Ed Foley should be under a bigger microscope than, than Marcus Satterfield. Yeah, I'm not advocating for a change right now, but it's clearly something that should be on the table, should be discussed. Special teams have been bad. I mean, you're giving up return yardage. You're giving up, uh, you know, you're obviously missing field goals in these situations too. Like you just cannot continue to be bad on special teams and think that things are going to work out when the margins are as small as they have been and when your offense can't erase mistakes and your defense isn't exactly setting you up every game. You need your special teams to be better. This has been, without question, in a year where injuries have wrecked your offense and your defense has stood way taller than anyone could have imagined, the special teams have been a massive disappointment and I think have cost Nebraska games. Not a game, multiple games. And in a year in which you might end up missing a bowl game by a singular win, that is going to hurt. And you are going to play the best special teams team in the conference on Friday, it's not going to get easier. You are going to have to figure out how to win in this game against Iowa to get to a bowl game, and you're going to need your special teams to be on point. And they haven't been for a while now, and that's incredibly, incredibly frustrating uh, to watch. I mean, it's it's something that we've all known, and it's something that Matt Rule has talked about, and they've emphasized, and it just feels like they aren't there yet, and it has to get better you know, moving forward, or Nebraska is going to find themselves in these positions over and over and over. All right. That was a rundown on football. Uh, But I will say, you know, before we depart here, if you have not yet turned your attention to Nebraska basketball, I suggest tuning in for Wednesday's game against Duquesne on, uh, I believe it's on BTN. It's a seven o'clock start. It is the best team that they have probably played this year. I mean, the Huskers are undefeated. They've beaten up pretty much everyone they played. They put on a nice show in Sioux Falls. Great arena, by the way. If you can go to the Sanford uh, Pentagon, a lot of fun. Feels like you somehow are being transported to the 1950s and watching a high school basketball game with the old acoustics where it seems unbelievably loud, despite the fact there's only, you know, 
a couple thousand people there. Like it's put BBA to shame, which, you know, the crowds haven't been great, but the teams haven't been great that Nebraska's played. So we'll see if that gets better in conference play as well. Uh, all right. Well, I, I just want to say thanks again for letting me be off schedule here this weekend. I know there's a lot of people that enjoy the Sunday side session, and certainly you prefer it when it's not just me. Uh, so hopefully this one-man show wasn't the worst experience of your life. But be sure to check out everything we got going on at Husker 24-7 for plenty of coverage of a big week of sports in Lincoln. Uh, the Black Friday game, of course, but basketball plays twice. Soccer is in the Elite Eight. Congratulations to the women's soccer team. Volleyball won a conference title, and they don't even have to, you know, they did it before even playing Wisconsin this forthcoming weekend. Another big matchup there. Plus, you might have forgotten, and it's understandable if you did, the early signing period, just a few weeks away. Of course, recruiting. Nebraska will have visitors in this weekend. It's going to be a big visit weekend. Hope to have a lot of coverage on that as well. Husker 24-7 is your stop for all the action. We'll catch you later with another Husker 24-7 podcast.